Hello friends, your host, Billy Dean Shoemate III here, and welcome back to another episode of Strange Places. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor and DistroKid. And uh, yeah, I just, uh, <laughs> I say this every episode, don't I? That I'm just so thankful for the listenership that this show's getting and the attention that it's getting. It's amazing. It's honestly amazing. I hope you guys enjoyed the last episode. I really enjoyed making it. The uh, Tales of the Iceman. If you haven't heard that one, check that one out. Either before or after this episode. As long as this one is part of the equation. <laughs> but uh, Tales of the Iceman, that was probably the most fun I've had on this show so far. I mean, I really... There was some research went with that one, boy. That went down the rabbit hole for sure. Now, this one that we're looking at, on Strange Places, we're going to travel to Gurdon, Arkansas. And this has been going on since 1931 to the present day, which astounds me. But I'll jump into that <laughs> more in a little bit. The Garden Light is described as a mysterious glowing light that floats above railroad tracks in Garden, Arkansas. This one I'm really excited to get into, so let's dive. In December of 1931... A railroad, sec a railroad section foreman, it's kind of a tongue twister, railroad section foreman named Will McLean fired one of his workers, Lewis McBride, because he apparently sabotaged a section of a track that caused a freight train to derail. In retaliation, McBride beat McLean and killed him with a pickaxe. McLean's body was later found by a search party along the side of the tracks. McBride confessed to the murder and was later executed for the crime. Now, not long after the murder, people began seeing a weird phenomenon that they called the Gurdon Light. It's a strange glowing light that floats along the railroad tracks. Many believe that the light is actually the spirit of Will McLean haunting the tracks. Specifically, they believe that the light comes from his lantern, which he carried while working along the tracks. Interesting. This is definitely ripe for the picking for this show. One of the first sightings was by a conductor named John. While driving a train, he saw a light on the back platform and observed that this light was following the train before it shot up into the air. It continued to follow the train for over a mile and then shot into a local cemetery. Ooh. That one kind of freaked me out. <laughs> Since then, thousands of people, and I'm not exaggerating, I'm not trying to puff this up, thousands have gone to the train tracks in hopes of seeing the Gurdon light. Several eyewitnesses say that the light flashes slowly, floats about eh, one to three feet in the air, and then veers off and vanishes. And uh, the stories, by and large, are pretty consistent as far as the light's behavior and what they're seeing. To this day, there's been no complete explanation for what the Gurdon light might be. In November of 1994, a photographer took the first known photograph of the Gurdon light. He was working for some one of those like uh, you know, paranormal TV shows. I don't know exactly which one it was. But he was part of a amateur kind of research group. The same photographer later captured a video of the light moving along the tracks. This is what they submitted for evidence for their 
Joe. Now, there is a photograph that's attached to this, but the photograph is pretty dark, pretty grainy. I debated even putting the Iceman photo as the thumbnail, but this one I probably should not put as the thumbnail because people are going to see this. You know, I have to make sure that this podcast displays itself in a uh, professional manner, you know. Someone is going to see that thumbnail and be like, okay, this podcast is low rants. You know, it's, it's that bad. But I've examined this photograph and the video that they did quite a bit. This was November 1994. And this was one of those, I guess, weekly strange mysteries of Arkansas. You know, kind of, I guess, TV shows or something. Very little information on that. But it was confirmed that they took photo and video. And this was aired. The town of Garden is located in Arkansas, a population of about 2,700. Small. The town's most famous attraction is the Garden Light. Dr. Charles Lemming, he investigated several theories of what the Garden Light might be. One theory is that the lights may come from headlights on the interstate, nearby interstate. However, Dr. Charles Lemming was able to find several eyewitnesses who claimed to have seen the light before the fucking interstate was even open. <laughs> Which is crazy. There goes that one. Another possible explanation for the Gurdon light is swamp gas creating... You know, you know, you guys know what swamp gas is. That's their kind of go-to for everything these days. Decomposing vegetation which spontaneously combusts. However, a lot of eyewitnesses claim to have seen the light when it was... Windy, and the light was more or less stationary. Could not be swamp gas on these occasions. That's what they say anyway. Another theory is that the light is called the piezoelectric effect, which if you, if you don't know what that is, the piezoelectric effect occurs when quartz crystals under immense pressure emit an electric current. Gurdon, believe it or not, actually sits above large amounts of quartz, quartz crystals. It's under the fault line which supports this theory at face value. Although many people claim that the Gurdon light was seen after the murder of Will McLean, which was around the same time that a major earthquake occurred right on that fault line. However, see, there's, the, <laughs> there's more back and forth with this story than almost every other story I've done. There's always a, however, <laughs> what can't be explained is how the current migrates above the surface into a ball-like shape, which we'll get into. How this piezoelectric effect gets all the way to the surface, even floats above the surface. As you can imagine, this whole thing has been completely unsolved. I mean, it is a baffling thing. And getting back to the strange places that we all know and love, the way that I've always done it, was I did most of the research before doing this so I can you know, really wrap my head around it and present this in a professional, I know what I'm talking about, kind of <laughs> manner. I did my homework. But I saved the real research right here as we're doing this podcast. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. I knew what resources I wanted to look up. I know what I wanted to read. I know what I wanted to look at. But I think it's interesting it, for me, I, I hope it is for you, getting that real reaction. 
and really hearing where my brain goes, you know, <laughs> and seeing what how we arrive to everything in more or less real time. I get a kick out of that. So how are we, how the hell are we going to unpack the Gurdon light? Well, this is one of those that we have to kind of tackle chronologically, in my opinion. Railroad section foreman, Will McLean, uh, fired one of his guys, Lewis McBride, because he apparently sabotaged something on the track and a train derailed. McBride beat McLean to death with a, you know, killed him with a pickaxe. And I guess this McBride confessed to the murder, was executed for the crime. Is this story or do we have actual proof of this? Uh, Lewis McBride, it's a pretty common name. Um, what's with Lewis McBride Gurdon? Let's see if we can find. I want to make sure that this part of it is not just, you know, freaking legend. You know what I mean? I want to make sure. I do see some very old photos here. <clears throat> okay, what's this? I do a lot of this research. You know, uh, this is what I like to do anyway. Yeah, I'm seeing it right here. Newspaper slang. Negro Slayer dies in electric chair. Lewis McBride of Gurdon pays penalty for killing Foreman. I'm reading this from the actual paper. July 9th, 1932, Arkansas Gazette. Wow. Yeah, this is a direct scan for the murder of a railroad section foreman. I'm reading this word for word. Lewis McBride, 36-year-old Negro of... Gurdon Clark County paid with his life, and I'm not saying, you guys, I'm reading an old piece of news here, 1932. I don't like the word Negro, but just, I'm reading this word for word, and just to keep it accurate, you know how they talked back then, so I do apologize. Um, at the penitentiary around 7 a.m. yesterday, McBride was strapped in the chair before witnesses were allowed to enter the death chamber, a precaution Warden S.L. Todd Hunter took because the prisoner had been unruly several times. McBride calmly walked to the chair, resigned to his fate, Mr. Todd Hunter said. The witnesses include blah, 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 blah. Killed with a spike mall after an argument over McBride's seniority rights as a laborer for the Missouri Pacific Line, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, yeah, that kind of kills one of my theories. Uh, this was a real thing. Yep, this actually happened. Wow. So what are people saying? Okay, wait, no. I, <laughs> I don't want to jump around here. we got to do this chronologically. Okay, so we just figured out that Lewis McBride um, not only was killed by, what, his foreman? But he was a black man. And which is pretty amazing is that... Uh, I'll just say it like it is. What's, what's amazing is that the white guy that killed him didn't walk. Because you saw that a lot at the time, Right? Look at what happened to Emmett Till. Yeah, they got in trouble for what they did, but come on, a lot of them was just a slap on the wrist, and it was like that a lot. This is amazing in itself, that a white guy killed a black worker and actually got the chair for it. That's amazing, because white people usually walked for that. You know what I mean? Black people were treated horribly at the time. I am astounded that this white guy faced justice. Pretty crazy. But considering how terrible black people were treated at the time, and he wasn't the only one killed like you know, like this, I would imagine that his uh spirit would be pretty pissed off. You know what I mean? 
What about John the Conductor? Do we have any information on him? I have pictures of the local cemetery, and we have a picture of John. Okay. Well, all the historical stuff is being corroborated so far. This is good, because I like seeing actual information. But I'm seeing that this Gurdon light is showing up almost every fucking time. This is weird. Like, every time somebody goes out to see it, it's almost a guaranteed sight. That blows my mind. Okay, so I knew that there were thousands of sightings. But this is freaky. There are people writing online and stuff and on their blogs and all over. I mean, I'm looking everywhere. That it is almost a guaranteed sight if you go out to Gurdon. That's pretty remarkable. This is a population of 2,700 people. Mm. Okay, so what's the earliest we could go back as far as the lights? Uh, that's that's going to be really difficult to prove. But apparently the lights were first seen very shortly after the death. There was an earthquake around the time, right? What year was that earthquake? Uh, does that really matter? <laughs> See, this is the hard part. Is it worth the effort to try and really dive in and examine certain things? Because, and I'll tell you why. Let's look at the explanations, right? Lights may come from headlights on the interstate. That one is complete hogwash. Malarkey. Preposterous. What do the old cats say? What's another one? Uh, fiddle faddle. That's... <laughs> I can't think of another one. That's... Uh... I I heard an old guy say, "Oh, that's a bunch of horseradish." I've heard an old guy say that before. That's a bunch bunch of horseradish. These guys, <laughs> they're saying that it could come from headlights along the interstate, but there are several eyewitnesses who claim to have seen the light before the interstate was even around. Now I know what they say about eyewitness testimony, but we're not asking for anything complex here. Right. All you're asking is, hey, did you see a light on the tracks? Just a light floating around? You don't have to describe anything. You know what I mean? How many aliens were outside the ship, right? What What did the writing say on the I-beams? You know? <laughs> what was the smell? What was the this, that? You're not asking for anything specific. Was there a light above the tracks or not? So I take this eyewitness testimony a little more seriously than I would other things. You know what I mean? How many shots did you hear coming from the book de depository? Was there a man standing on the grass, you know? Huh? Where exactly was the, bush the babushka lady standing? What about the guy with the umbrella in the middle of the fucking day? See? <laughs> this isn't as detailed. This is eyewitnesses that said, yeah, they saw a light on the railroad tracks. You know, it's very simple. There's not a lot of diving to be done there. And I'm willing to really close the book on that as far as <clears throat> the they saw these lights before the interstate was even around. I'm willing to close the book on that and say that's legit. I know I keep sounding like a broken record here, but we're, these people were not asked to describe anything in massive detail. It's basically, did you see a fucking light at this time, at this time, at this time? Eyewitnesses that were there before the interstate was even in that area said, yeah, so there goes that. 
Now, a lot of eyewitnesses, um, okay, we, yeah, well, anyway, swamp gas. I'm not even going to get into that. Swamp gas is absolutely ridiculous. Why? <laughs> hmm. Okay, I need to come up with an eloquent way to say this without pissing anybody off. <laughs> I know there are some big proponents of swamp gas, right? Swamp gas explains everything. I've seen swamp gas. I know what kind of effect it has. I've never seen it in person, but I've studied it. I've studied it for things that we've already talked about on this podcast. I wanted to see if this is a legit phenomenon. And it is. <laughs> swamp gas, this happens. Decomposing vegetation gives off shit, you know, spontaneously combusts. It blows up. But from what I'm seeing of the just downright enormous amounts of video and photographic evidence from people who still go out there to this day with their cell phones and shit. And even the video that was done in 1994, you know, the more, I guess it was a professional film crew, you know, that went out and tried to, they actually went out and tried to debunk this thing and ended up getting video and a photo of it. I wish I could put the photo as the thumbnail, but the picture is so bad. <laughs> 1994, crappy camera, late at night, you know, you know how it goes. But this, uh, not one of these videos, I don't know which ones are fake, I don't know which ones are legit, but no evidence brought forth by anybody that says this is the Gurdon light looks like swamp gas. <laughs> None of them. It's not refractions from Venus, it's not swamp gas. I just, it, the notion of swamp gas is absolutely ridiculous. It's just silly. And I shouldn't waste another second even mentioning it. But none of these pieces of quote-unquote evidence that are coming forward look like swamp gas. It's not swamp gas. This episode is brought to you by Planet Texas Podcast and Conversation. The podcast is about experiences, hobbies, life events, travel, just overall becoming older and having new adventures in life. Support this podcast by clicking the provided link in this episode's description. New episodes are Wade Sim and indie movie producers, indie pro wrestlers, funeral services, and work during the day. The other episode is Disneyverse of Madness with the Nerd Show host, Stephen Allen. Everything Marvel to Star Wars and what Disney is becoming. And on the 19th, the release for the newest episode, Nick Chantos, is the host of Apex Masculinity, Defeat Self-Sabotage, Reclaim True Manhood podcast. They talk his childhood trauma, drug addiction, prison, release, and building a badass life. Thanks, Planet Texas Podcast and Conversation, for being sponsors of Asylum 817 Productions. So the piezoelectric theory. This is an interesting one. And I get the feeling... Uh, I don't want to make assumptions here. But humor me for just this one thing. I know we don't make assumptions on the show, but just humor me about one thing. This sounds to me like they were throwing out an established scientific phenomenon that not everybody is going to know about. I didn't know what the hell the piezoelectric effect was until I started reading about it. I am a musician, right? I use electronic instruments, electric guitars. I've used electronic drums. What's in a guitar pickup? A piezo unit. What's in electronic drum triggers? Piezo. They're basically microphones that sense electrical impulses and run those to a computer or, you know, uh, 
a guitar chord or an amp and says, hey, this is what I hit and how hard. That's what a piezo does. But there are natural piezoelectric effects. I didn't know that. <laughs> so it, it kind of sounds like there's this scientific term being thrown out that not a lot of people know about. In that case, I can say whatever the hell I want to say about it, right? Oh, it's the piezoelectric effect. See, it occurs when quartz crystals under immense pressure and emit an electric current. See, the, this uh, gurdon runs right under a fault line, and the quartz crystals, right, quartz crystals right under the fault line, they kind of run along the, the fault line. So what I think it might have been is that the light is kind of riding this fault line due to the piezoelectric effect, creating this image. Do you see what I'm getting at? This is exactly how it was explained <laughs> when I tried to look it up. It seems like, oh, okay, here's some scientific shit that not a lot of people know, and I could pretty much get away with saying anything about the piezoelectric effect because it's not something that anybody's just going to be able to be like, okay, I know what that is. You know what I mean? I had to really look into this. I looked at videos of quartz crystal that under lab conditions, I'll give you that, under lab conditions, not natural, under lab conditions, quartz crystals that are uh, exposed to huge amounts of pressure and that electric discharge that occurs. I've seen it. I've looked up videos of this before, you know, starting this recording here and really diving into it. Uh, the piezoelectric effect. That's a thing. It is a thing. But I got to tell you, these electrical discharges are very short-lived. They fizzle out, man. They say it's better to burn out than to fade away. And they mean it. They live that shit. <laughs> this does not. Every video I've seen, every photograph, this does not look like the piezoelectric discharge. Do yourself a favor and go on Google, go on YouTube, go wherever. And look up what these, everything. I mean, every piece of quote-unquote evidence, whether it's real or not, people saying this is what the Gurdon light is. The evidence back in 1994. All that. Okay? Apparently, Unsolved Mysteries did. <laughs> Maybe they were the film crew. I don't know. Makes sense, actually. I need to go back and uh, watch all the episodes from 1994 or see if it was them. <laughs> it could, now that I think about it, that might have been. But <laughs> anyway... Look at all the pieces of evidence brought forth by whoever. This does not look like that same discharge. Granted, everything you see on the internet is going to be under controlled lab conditions. There's no videos that I've seen of it naturally occurring. I looked. You might have better luck, and if you do, contact me and let me know. I would be very interested in seeing a natural piezoelectric discharge. It's the amount of pressure that makes these things go it's it's very unlikely if not impossible that a piezoelectric effect is going to ride a fault line hundreds of feet down and then float above the surface that's why i'm saying it's not the piezoelectric effect it's not the quartz crystals the current migrates, the current would have to migrate all these feet all the way up a fucking fault line, uh, put itself into a ball shape and float above the Earth's surface. Piezoelectric effect does not do that I've, under lab conditions from what I've seen. But that discharge, come on, you mean to tell me it's going to ride a fault line all the way up and then float above the ground, which it does not do? Sorry, man. It's just not holding any water. 
It's not the piezoelectric effect. People say ball lightning. People say this. People say that. I know this occurred right around the same time an earthquake appeared on the fault. But as far as I know, there haven't been any fucking earthquakes in the area since, major ones. Why are people still seeing the light then? Everybody seems to go to that. A major earthquake occurred on the fault, and that's what started the lights. Then how do you explain people seeing the lights today? I know people are crazy. I know some people are nuts, and they just want to be part of a mythos. They want so bad to be a part of that story, so they'll inject themselves into it. You know what I mean? But not everybody's like that. And this is witnessed by thousands. Let's look at the law of averages here. Now look at the... If you look at the evidence from 1994, and the reason I'm going to describe it is because the video sucks. And I'll be honest. Looking at the video from 1994 made by the film crew, the video looks identical to a piezoelectric crystal. It does. It looks just like it. However... I got to tell you this, the crystals that grow in that area are so deep underground and they're on a fault line. They cannot travel to the surface. I'm telling you. Swamp gas is ridiculous, like I said, and it can't be the interstate because people were seeing it before the interstate was even built. For all intents and purposes, guys, I got to tell you, nobody started seeing these lights until that guy died. That's what's freaking me out. See, what often bugs me about these mysteries is that a lot of them haven't been seen since their heyday. You know what I mean? You hear about all these effects that happen in all these weird places and stuff like that. But then you get, at least I do, I get disappointed when I research and I'm like, oh, it hasn't been seen since fucking 1957. Or it hasn't been seen since, you know, the 1800s hasn't been seen this. You know, it's very rare that you can go out today and still witness a lot of this stuff. That's still considered mysterious for some reason, even though it hasn't appeared in decades. This particular one, you could go out right now and witness it yourself. As of this year, 2022, there are still people posting videos and writing about this thing. In the comment sections, they're very bizarre because everybody who goes out there seems to see it. It's almost a guarantee. Now tell me. What other place that is supposedly haunted or paranormal where you could see the phenomenon occurring right now almost guaranteed? That, sh- that list is pretty short, if not completely non-existent. That makes this case very, very interesting to me. So it seems like... And, you know, th- this is what I can't get over. is that The video looks just like a piezoelectric discharge. But then we have that coupled with their photograph that was, you know, this was taken the same time as the video. Is this thing's floating above the surface. Your video might look like piezoelectric discharge, but that photograph sure as hell isn't. That even makes it even more of a mystery to me. But it seems like every explanation that anybody comes forth with, every explanation, there's something that just flat out says, no fucking way. What are we left with? What am I left with? Not much, I'll tell you that. What can we prove? Like I said, guys, for all intents and purposes, I mean, what we can prove, honestly, beyond the shadow of a doubt, what we can prove is that these lights weren't, nobody had started seeing this fucking thing until Lewis McBride died. 
They say the earthquake theory. They say this and that. Fact of the matter is, and I do say fact of the matter is, nobody started seeing these lights until Lewis McBride died. That's weird. It's not swamp gas. It's not piezoelectric effect. The video that they did in 1994 is trash. You could barely see crap. Photograph, very interesting. I'm digging that photo. Look it up. Gurdon Light photo, 1994. It's weird. <clears throat> Can we prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is somehow Lewis McBride? No. That's what I keep going back to. We cannot prove that this is Lewis McBride. All the evidence points to yes, it does. But there's two things that I'm leaning towards, maybe not. Number one, there is something so... How do I say this? There's something so uh, atmospheric, naturally atmospheric about this phenomenon. Every video I see, every photograph, I don't know what the hell it is, but it looks so natural. Like it's something that the, just the, the Earth does. It's something discharging from Mother Earth herself. The other thing that tells me that it's probably not a haunting is that I don't see anything that also goes with legitimate hauntings. And yes, some hauntings are legitimate. There's no cold spot. There's no voice. There's no apparition, right? There's no prickly hairs. There's nothing that comes... <laughs> I know I'm being kind of cliche here, but damn it, there's nothing about this situation that normally goes with what I believe and what should be considered genuine hauntings. None of the trappings are there. It's just a weird light that you can go to Gurdon right now. If You you probably won't see it on day one, but you're sure as shit going to see it on day two or three. All you're going to need is to book probably three days at the most, and you will see it. And everybody comes back saying the same thing. That light was there. It's bouncing around, man. Sometimes it lasts seconds. Sometimes it lasts minutes. But what people don't say is that this thing is a ghost. There are a lot of people that go out there that don't know the full story, that really haven't dove, dived into it like we have. They don't get that haunted feeling. They say, this is just weird. There's a floaty light. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, here's what I'm willing to say. And take this as you will. Here's what I'm willing to say. We are a race living on a planet in which we have not developed the technology yet to explore 100% of our own damn ocean. And we just took a photograph by a telescope that we've launched into space that showed us some of the earliest galaxies in existence recently. We've daisy-chained a lot of uh, telescopes all over the world, a lot of radar dishes, all that stuff all over the world, and we managed to take a photograph of a black hole in action. How amazing is that? But we haven't explored 100% of our oceans, <laughs> right? We haven't discovered every species on Earth. And you want to come up with an explanation for the Gurdon light? I have a hard time believing that this is a haunting at all. But there's something going on here. Something really weird. I'm leaning towards this thing may be natural. I'm really leaning towards that. But like I said, we could take photos of the most distant galaxies in existence, right? <laughs> Just a few, what, 100,000 years that close after the Big Bang? I may be off, but pretty damn close to the Big Bang in the neighborhood, right? Uh, 
<laughs> the celestial week of the Big Bang. But for God's sake, there's still uncontacted tribes living on Earth somewhere. You know what I mean? That throw spears at helicopters and shit. And we can't get near them because the common cold's going to wipe them out. This still goes on. And I'm, I've tasked myself. <laughs> I was going to say I'm tasked, but I, I tasked myself because of this thing. Because of this podcast and all that. Which I'm okay of. I'm trying to explain what the hell the Gurdon Light is. I don't know. There's not enough evidence to, to say either way. But what I tell you is we cannot debunk it. That's one thing that we can solidly say. We cannot debunk it. This thing exists. It happens. It's almost a guarantee. And none of the explanations brought forth so far do any do a lousy job. Absolutely lousy job of explaining what this is. And no one's coming up, coming up with any better ideas. I don't have any. I'm not a scientist, but I'm at a loss. So I'm telling you, we cannot debunk this thing. Is it paranormal? We can't prove that either. A lot of signs point to yes, man. And it's mostly just instinctual things that can, that point to no. For me. It's more factual things that point to yes. Things that we could actually observe and tangibly look at. Tangibly feel. And it's more instinctual that tells me, no, this thing may be something natural. I'm kind of forced into a corner here. The Gurdon Light. My verdict requires further study, right? I wish we could prove that it's paranormal. I wish we could prove that it's something natural. Even though all of the natural explanations have just been a wash. I can't say that that's all that there is as far as explanations of natural. You know, this could be a, a tear in the multiverse, right? This could be... a high concentration of dark energy or dark matter. You don't know. There's a lot of the stuff we haven't even discovered yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? So what do you think? Ah, man, this one really gets to me. I wanted this one to be real. <laughs> and it may be. <clears throat> I would take, okay, you know what? I would take requires further study over just flat out debunked. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> ah, Gurdon Light, this one's very intriguing, man. And I hate to rely on instinctual, what I call instinctual evidence, as far as it being natural. I'm just, you know, it's common sense, right? And that's what we got to do on the show. This is how we have to tackle these things. We've got to use common sense. Because in the, you know, paranormal research these days, common sense is something rarely, if ever, used. It's all about drama. It's all about ratings. It's all about this and that. you got to have an answer, right? Well, sometimes there isn't one. That's how this shit really works. And I'm really bummed out <laughs> that we don't, I want, this is the one of the ones that I wanted to be real so bad, but I'll, I'll take it. it requires further study. This one, we cannot debunk. There's just so much phenomena out there that we natural, scientifically feasible that we just can't explain. We just found out about gravity waves just a few years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we're going to put this one on the, um, requires further study burner. I'm going to be looking into this one. I've actually been, once Donald hears this, he's going to freak, but I've actually been debating going down to Garden, Arkansas myself and catching a whiff of this one, maybe making a part two of the entire journey. That would be fun. I am really, actually really considering that, <laughs> is making that an episode. 
go mobile for an episode, right? I have gear that I can take down there and do a mobile podcast. Wouldn't it be freaking awesome if I could record an episode of Strange Places while I'm there watching the thing? Getting a, Wouldn't that be cool? I'm going to put some heads together and we may do that. So let me know. Is there something about the Gurdon Light that I missed? Is there a crucial piece of evidence that could have blown this whole thing up and said, yeah, this is proven? Let me know. Contact me on whatever platform you're listening to this on. I want to thank all of you for listening. And remember to go on Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com for all things Strange Places related. All the social media links are there as well as the link to get to our Patreon account where you can get early access to shows, bonus stuff, giveaways of certain tiers, little as a dollar a month, man. You'll really be helping this show out. It's not a price of admission thing, but if you can help, I would appreciate it. Shout out to the patrons, by the way. The Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel, Donald Haynes, David Peterson. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to another show. Thank you for your patronage allowing this show to keep existing um you might not think it's much but uh when it comes to the patreon stuff i'm good at pinching those pennies man you guys keep this show going so yep that is it thank you for listening again i appreciate you and uh yeah are we ever gonna run out of strange places to talk about i don't think so because every town has a strange place and maybe one day we'll visit yours The Strange Places podcast is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a music label for truly independent artists. They will distribute and share your music on every streaming platform the internet has to offer. And the best part is that you keep all of your royalties. In fact, DistroKid has made history, marking the first time that an artist on the charts made 100% of their earnings. This is the music industry's worst nightmare, giving indie artists complete control over their art. For only 20 bucks a year, you can upload unlimited music, and with the split feature, you can split a percentage of the earnings to your bandmates. If you click the affiliate link in this episode's description, you get 7% off the first year. But did I mention that after that, it's only 20 bucks a freaking year? I've been a musician for a long time. My music is heard all over the world, and yours should be too. Click the link in this episode's description to not only support Strange Places, but put control of your own music back into your hands. No contracts, no hidden clauses, no lovely coin men in their lovely, lovely suits. Thanks to DistroKid for being a sponsor and giving this old dog an audience.